In this webinar today, we are going to be talking about the topic of healthy living. We're going to explore a range of different techniques, tools, models, and best practice thinking for how to maintain and build great habits for living a balanced and good, healthy lifestyle. Now, this is obviously designed for what we might term busy professionals. Um, I don't like the word busy because it implies you haven't got the balance. It implies there could be a better way. So we're going to kind of leave that word behind as we move into this particular talk. And we're going to explore a number of different pillars, or you could call them foundations for a healthy living and really, really strong sense of well-being, if you like, uh, even though you might be feeling quite busy right here, right now. So it is all about finding balance in what we might term a demanding world. I mean, I think we all know that there are pressures coming at us both personally and professionally all the time. People's demands, uh, demands on um, projects and campaigns and, you know, pressures of targets and, um, you know, almost a perception, I guess, of a lack of time. Um, I don't think anybody you would talk to, and probably yourself included, would say that you have an abundance of time, you have an abundance of space in your life. So what we're going to explore are some well-recognized pillars. There are four pillars that are described for healthy living. And really why that these are absolutely crucial to help you find and um, really the important bit, maintain a healthy life balance. So whatever challenges and pressures you face, these things will be there in a, a toolkit, if you like, um, as ammunition to help you to find that balance again. Because obviously, if we're taking vacation, uh, if we're having a little bit of a break from work or if we're on a weekend and we don't work weekends, you can then think, oh, okay, now I'm going to take some downtime and that'll give me the balance. But actually, that is almost masking it. That is papering over the cracks of something that can be part of everyday living. And that's what we're going to explore here, because it's quite easy to find a healthy lifestyle and great well-being when you're not pressured. But when you find challenges coming into your world and into your life, when you're feeling that squeeze, if you like, from either work or at home, there are kind of, you know, it's, it's not a good feeling then. So there are kind of ways that we can actually start to integrate this into every moment of our lifestyle. And that, that's what's really key here. Healthy living is all about in any moment taking the opportunity to use these techniques and tools and these four pillars to just bring us back to a sense of balance. And so that will be a theme that we'll explore as we go through this. Now, this isn't just me saying this. This is very well researched, very well documented. There's a, there's a lot of uh, specific models here um, to be looking um, into the whole idea of balance within life. Uh, and there is a very famous one called the Wheel of Life model. Um, this was by Zimmerman and Pachalski. And they created a, um, a Wheel of Life, which kind of said that there are multiple facets of healthy living, of a healthy lifestyle. Uh, you can't just do meditation, you know, for 10 minutes in the morning and think, oh, I'm leading a lovely balanced lifestyle. Um, you can't just think I'm going to spend most of my time, you know, at the beach rather than working or I'm just going to find um, the latest kind of vitamin supplements and and say that, oh, yeah, no, I'm leading a healthy lifestyle. It is all about balancing across a whole range of different facets of your life. So if you think about each of these um, elements of the wheel, if you like, then you can understand that it's complex, 
but actually in the complexity lies simplicity. And the reason I say that is because if we can start to find balance through and, you know, almost fueling ourselves positively through a number of these different facets, then we stand a chance of striking this balance that they um, have, have well researched. So what are these criteria? Well, it's family. It's planning your life. It's actually having, you know, some very, very strategic targets within your life. Um, it's a sense of spirituality and whatever meaning that word takes for you. Um, it's finding health and an appropriate health for you, um, which might be very different to me, might be very different to the next person. So and we'll, we'll talk about this again, finding our own health balance. It is about the right kind of work, being in the right place in your career or the development of your career at the right time, uh, doing the right kind of role. Um, it's about a part and playing a part within society. So your local community, the broader environment um, and your social connections. It's also about your personal development, finding this whole essence of lifelong learning as something that is a motivator and it's a fuel um, so that you're continually developing a sense of yourself and what that means to you. And again, very different to me, very different to the next person. It is about recreation. So finding a nice balance between when you find yourself, what you might term working versus when you're what you might term at leisure or playing. And what does that mean for you? Again, something very, very personal to find there. And then coming again, round full circle back to family. How can a significant other, how can your spouse your children, your parents, others, you know, the extended family that you have start to contribute to some or all of these facets. And then how can that in itself help you to develop your life plan, build on the spirituality when you find that there might be areas in your life plan that you need to be facilitating or maybe adapting or, um, you know, expanding out. And again, with that comes health. There may well be, once you go around the circle again, opportunities for maybe reducing the amount of stress you have in your life, improving your physical fitness, maybe finding a more of a sort of a mind-body wellness perspective within your world. And that might, in its own nature, start to change your focus on your career or on the work that you do or the value that you bring back to the organizations and people that you serve. And that in itself then has a knock-on effect to your social standing and where you sit in the environment in which you've decided to place yourself. And as part of that, again, feeding into the choices of personal development, what is missing, what is less fulfilling in what we've just discussed that you could then start to plug the gaps of. And is part of that then taking more time out, having more fun, maybe more vacations, maybe more traveling, whatever that again means to you and who are you going to do that with? And so we come full circle again, back to family. So this is a constant revisiting of the opportunities available to you. And we're going to do some deeper dives as we look into some of these facets in a bit more detail. But really what we're looking at here is not one thing. So healthy living doesn't um, exclude anything, but it also doesn't just include a small number of things. It is very holistic. So when we think healthy living, we need to think holistically. What is the whole of our world? What is the whole of me as an individual? What is the whole of the 
um, the the, the um, sort of ecosystem, if you like, in which I operate and I live and I breathe. And where do I add value? What is at the center all of, of all of this? You know, where do I find my most fulfilling moments? And we could call this ikigai, if you like, that living, that sweet spot, that sweet moment, that 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 embracing the present. Again, this is all part of what we might term healthy living. So that Wheel of Life model is a really lovely introduction into the various kind of facets and ideas that we're going to be talking about. Because, of course, if we don't address these things, then what happens? Well, we find ourselves very subservient, and I, I love that word, subservient to the world around us, where we're not able to take control or accountability or responsibility for the decisions that we're taking because somebody else is telling us what to do. We're influenced by that influencer over there. We're not really making a judgment about our choices for ourselves, for our best best and higher self, we're being too heavily influenced by others. And this will, of course, you know, foster imbalance. And the impact of imbalance, as we all know, can be really quite uncomfortable. I mean, increasing levels of stress, and we've all felt that now and again, some of us more often than others. Um, burnout, I've certainly been there where I've kind of thought, you know, I'm really living my best life. And you really burn the candle at both ends, and you really go for it. And then you realise, Actually, my body, my mind doesn't really understand the difference between good stress and bad stress. It just feels stress. And so therefore you burn out. So it is about you know, re retaining creativity and productivity, both of which, if you're not balanced, will be reduced. And it will have, if you don't get this balance right, a physical and emotional and mental toll on you as a human being. So, so many good reasons to be really addressing all the elements of this healthy living balance wheel, if you could call it that now, because that is what we're attempting to do here is to kind of just really sense what is either missing or what is it that I need to um, empower myself for? or What is it I need to learn more about? or What is it I need to just welcome into my world? And so that's what we're going to explore as we go through the next sort of um, 20 to 30 minutes of kind of exploration of some of these opportunities. So if as you're listening or watching this, you sort of think, well, actually, I need to go and do some deeper dives, make notes around this stuff, because I'm only able, obviously, in the time available to give you a sense of some of the things to begin focusing on. I can't give you the final answer. And the reason I can't give you the final answer is because only you can uncover the final answer in what is going to be a long, but hopefully really pleasant journey. And just coming again back to this whole thing about balance and this whole thing about how stress or anxiety, if you don't address this stuff, can impact on your performance. Now, again, a lot of research behind this, this balance between performance and arousal. So if you have low arousal, the chances are if you're not aroused or stimulated by something, so there's a very low level of interest uh, in a particular thing, you're not going to do anything about it. So we know that at work, you know, you're not going to go on that training course if you're really not that bothered or if you really can't see the value. Uh, you're not going to make contact with that old acquaintance and try and get them to be your best buddy because actually you don't really find them very stimulating or interesting to spend time with. So the word arousal comes from 
the whole idea of being stimulated and having, as you increase levels of arousal, an increasing attention for something up to a point of being optimally aroused so that you are there, ideally, at the point of optimal arousal, according to Yerkes and Dodson, who have a law which shows that the optimum point of arousal correlates with the highest level of performance. Now, this doesn't have to be work performance or sport performance. You could argue this is living the life of my best self. That would be your highest level of human performance, where you're serving yourself to the best of your abilities and delivering the best value back to you. And of course, if you then can find that point of optimal arousal where you feel engaged, stimulated, excited and interested enough, but not too much, because if you overstimulate yourself, if you become too over aroused, then the law then says your performance level will become decreased. It will be impaired because of strong levels of arousal, which in themselves then equate to anxiety. So you don't want to push it too far. So what we're talking about here, when we say balance and we say healthy living and we say well-being and lifestyle, is that this is not all about going at it at 100 miles an hour. Okay, so this is something that if you decide to commit to one or two or maybe a number of these things that we're going to talk about, it's about finding the right pace it's about committing to, I'm going to learn about this. I'm going to read that book. I'm going to do that podcast. I'm going to do that little training program. I'm going to kind of enable myself to a level of arousal that stimulates my peak performance. So I'm totally engaged with these few things, but I'm going to do them to my best of my ability. If you decide, right, I'm going to get obsessed with this stuff and I'm going to go crazy and I'm going to do 100 things at 100 miles an hour because I want to be healthy in all senses of the word, then clearly that is going to put in undue stresses into your world and so it won't work. So this isn't rocket science. This is clearly, when you stop and think about it, a very sensible approach. So the key here is little and often, steady step-by-step -step progress, thinking of this as a long burn, a long-term journey, a long-term exercise, rather than something that you're going to pick up this weekend and you're going to crack it by Sunday evening, and then you will be living a healthy lifestyle. Well, the fact is, clearly, it's not going to work like that. So what we need to do is focus on these four pillars, and I'm going to give you an introduction to each of the four pillars, so that we can gradually and gently begin to introduce the ones in that we feel intuitively resonate with us right now. Now, if we explored this a year ago or a year ahead in time, you might decide to focus on different things because you're in a different place in your life. And that is 100% okay. Okay, so what I would encourage you to do, um, and by the way, I'm on this journey too, so I don't have all the answers for you. Anybody who says, I've got this cracked, I've got this completely nailed, I know how to live a healthy lifestyle 100%, whether in denial or they don't understand what they don't understand. Okay, so we're all on this journey. We can choose to pay attention to it or we can choose to ignore it, but we are all on this journey. But it's a long journey. So see as we go through these things, if one or two of these things just puts its head above the parapet and says, hey, I'm over here, listen to me, pay attention to me first. And if intuitively you feel it, if intuitively you just get a sense of, mm, I feel slightly lifted, my energy feels a bit lighter when I hear that, or when I focus on that, or when I see that word, I don't know why, 
I just do. Then that would be something then to make a little star, put a little asterisk against it and say, I'm coming back to that one first. So all the things that we're going to cover here, there's some good stuff, but actually that one and that one, they're the two I'm going to focus on first. So that's what I'm encouraging you to think about. Just pay attention to what you uh, find yourself responding to. So let's get into this then. So pillar one is healthy emotions. Healthy living comes from healthy emotions. And emotions can get in the way or get you on the way. Okay, so emotions are positives, but they're also inhibitors. And I'm not talking necessarily about just positive emotions. We are not just talking about having a positive attitude. Okay, positivity is okay, but it's only part of a mixture that is way more complex and way more balanced because with positivity, of course, comes negativity. There's always a yin and a yang. There's always a flip side. There's black and white. There's shades of gray. There's, you know, different opportunities here to explore the other side of the obvious. So with healthy emotions, the kind of techniques that would come into this first pillar are taking time out for an emotional check-in. So if I was to say to you right here, right now, how are you actually feeling? You mustn't overthink that question, by the way. It's not about, oh, well, my mind tells me I'm going to think about how I'm feeling. No, no, no. How are you feeling? This is a heart-centered question. This is not a mind question. So when we say emotions can get in the way or get you on the way, often when they do get in the way, it's because your mind and your heart are working in cahoots to try and confuse you. Okay, so your mind will be telling you one story. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you're feeling okay, but you're a little bit busy. So you need to get off of this webinar. You need to get on and do with that task or whatever. And you start to chat away to yourself. And you forget that actually this was a question that was asked to your heart. And so how can you tap into your heart? Well, you can ask your heart. It might sound a bit strange. And if you've never done this, start the answer with my heart. My heart says. And you'll be very interested to find that if you do that, it kind of parks your mind just for a few moments to give your heart a chance to speak. And it will, and it can, and it does. And I've been playing with this technique for a long, long time, and it really does work. If you can, by practicing meditation or mindfulness or even journaling, ask your heart the question, how am I feeling right now? And listen to your heart. You know, when people say, listen to your heart, they don't mean, tell me what you're thinking. They mean, listen to your heart, get your mind out of the way and start the answer with, my heart says, and see what it says. And your answer will be very precise. The heart does not deal in narrative. The heart deals in very, very quick fix. The heart deals in short bursts of information. Okay, so if you hear a long narrative, that's your mind cutting back in. And this is what we talk when we talk about mindfulness. We talk about actually parking your mind for a while. So healthy emotions, pillar one, begins with tapping into your heart. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that talks about heart coherence, and that's about getting into balance with the frequency and the resonance of your heart. We don't have time for that now. But if this kind of resonates for you, go and look up heart coherence. There's a huge amount of research on that, and it's really, really interesting to look at. 
Again, a lot of research behind this whole dealing with our emotions. Uh, there's a wheel of emotions. Um, this was a screen grab I got from practicalpsychology.com. You can find it there as well. Um, and this goes back quite some time. This is around the psychoevolutionary theory of emotion. And it's about really uncovering the various kind of levels, if you like, of what might appear on the surface as an emotion. So when I say to you, how are you feeling? And you say, well, I'm feeling angry. Well, actually, you're not actually feeling angry. That's at the heart of the wheel of emotion. Because if you look at the angry segment of the wheel of emotion, you can see actually there are some constituent parts to the feeling. The uh, manifestation of the word anger comes from being or feeling frustrated, distant, critical, mad, aggressive, bitter, humiliated or let down. And even those words don't tell you the full story. You can't really do very much with the feeling of aggression. I feel aggressive and that's making me angry. What can you do with that? What could you do with that feeling of aggression? Well, you can't really do too much with it because that's not a root cause. So the wheel of emotion then extends out further to say, well, okay, I'm feeling angry. I think it's because I'm feeling a bit aggressive. I'm feeling a little bit wound up. My heart's telling me, there's a feeling of aggression going on here. And then you can look beyond that to think, okay, but where's the root cause here? Am I feeling betrayed, resentful, disrespected, ridiculed, indignant, violated, furious, jealous, provoked, hostile, infuriated, annoyed, withdrawn, numb, skeptical, or even dismissive? Because in those words may well be your key to unlocking a more positive, a more balanced, a more pleasant kind of emotion. And it isn't just negative emotions. You know, you might be feeling over happy. Uh, you might be feeling sad. You might be feeling disgusted. You might be feeling surprised. Um, you might be feeling fearful. But what is the fear of? And it can't just be things like necessarily fear of rejection or fear of being threatened. There's more to it. So explore the wheel of emotion in however you are feeling right now. And just see very quickly if you can get to the root cause it's a very interesting, very interesting exercise, which just gives you those little nuances of, well, what could I do next? If my heart tells me I'm feeling a certain way, and Neil said pillar one is really important because it's all about starting with the emotions, that kind of sensitivity towards how my heart is feeling, but I need to be able to do something with it. Well, maybe the will of emotions will allow you to uncover some of those opportunities. So if you want to become a little bit more resilient and actually develop some tools and techniques for, you know, dealing with at any moment in any day, how you in that present moment are actually feeling. Well, I mean, we know there's lots of different apps and stuff that are being very well advertised right now. There's, um, you know, one of the world's most popular um, apps is Calm, um, which can certainly deal with a lot of the, what you might term sort of um, less helpful emotions that you might be feeling. Um, but also there's Insight Timer and Headspace, for example. But even on a very simple basis, Deep breathing exercises and some form of grounding can enable you to just stop, just pause, take that breath. You know, when people say, oh, just take a breath, they're not just saying it out of, you know, just thin air. This is actually something that is a very well proven exercise that you might already be using yourself to just pause. It is the stop method. It's stop, take a breath, observe, proceed. 
And of course, in crisis, in any time of you know high levels of anxiety or over arousal, it's a key thing that you can use to stop, take a breath, observe, then proceed. I then do something about it, having taken account and reflected on, I'm feeling emotional right now. Accept it. Don't fight it. Anybody who tries to fight an emotion, well, good luck with that, because your heart is a really key player in the thing that we call you. Um, it's probably way more powerful, actually, in terms of memory, in terms of high level functioning than anything your mind can think about, because your mind is just working at a conscious level. But what about the subconscious? What about the unconscious level? Well, your heart's playing down at that level, too, because it continues to beat even without your help. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on there. But by stopping, stopping, taking a breath, observing and proceeding on the basis of being more grounded then you stand a chance of living healthy. And the emphasis here is on short daily practices, just taking a moment out. So not doing this necessarily once a day or heaven forbid, you know, once a week and saying, yes, I'm now grounded. I'm now deep breathing. Did that for, you know, 10 minutes at the start of Monday morning, but whoa, then my, my, my day and my week took over. No, this is about, it's available here as a tool and as a technique for you at any moment. So particularly if you feel yourself being stretched, drawn, squeezed, whatever, pushing beyond that arousal limit for peak performance that we saw before, then this is a technique or a set of techniques that you can use. And it simply is about taking a breath because that breath will coincide then with your heart coherence. It's exciting stuff. And then what happens because, you know, if we're talking here about, you know, your feelings, which is actually what we're talking about here, your feelings don't operate in isolation, as you probably already know. Uh, there is a thing called cognitive behavioral theory. And there's, um, you know, probably 50, maybe even 60 years worth of uh, research. And um, if you've ever been for any counseling, for example, you will have almost certainly come across CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And this looks at the really, really fascinating interconnection between your thoughts, your feelings and your behaviours. So let's just say at the moment then. So I ask you the question, how are you feeling? And you come back, oh, I'm feeling really stressed. OK, well, what's the source of that stress? Oh, lack of time. OK, so you've got lack of time. OK, but what does that mean? Well, it means I've got too much on. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means I've said yes to too much. OK, now we're getting closer to the truth here. So it actually it isn't that you're feeling stress. It's the fact you've said yes to too many things. OK, so we're going deeper and deeper and deeper by asking the how. How did this arrive? What do we get to? And that will create a series of feelings within you. And those feelings themselves then will start to help you to behave in a certain way because you will feel through your chest. You know what it's like, you know, your heart rate will go up. If you're over aroused, overstimulated, your heart rate increases. No coincidence, by the way, fight or flight response, but also the fact that your body is responding to the way that you are feeling. And your heart is then saying, hey, guys, we've got to stop this. This is the guys is the body, you know, and the heart and the mind and the soul. But we'll talk about that another time are all interacting and saying, right, you're feeling like this. You're feeling stretched. You're feeling like the world around you is kind of you know, closing in on you. So now your body's reacting. So you will then behave in a certain way to counteract that. So you'll either do fight or flight. 
So the fight is, right, I'm going to power on through, or I'm going to have that conversation with my line manager who I've been hoping to speak to for ages. I'm going to go in and knock the door down. I'm going to tell them, or you could do the running away, which a lot of us do. You know, we would run from that stimulus because then there is something then that we could potentially take control of. And running away is a, a sense of control. So the feelings have created a behavior. And what does that behavior do? Well, it reinforces the thoughts around that particular scenario. Oh, well, yes, my thinking again, your mind cuts in. It's like, oh, I'm always busy. I'm always, I've always got, I'm always too stretched. I've never got enough time. I've always got too much work. I never clear that inbox. There's always, you know, the phone's ringing, the email inboxes, you know, sort of filling up, et cetera, et cetera. And you think about that, whether that's true or not is irrelevant because you're in the thoughts, feelings, behaviors triangle. And those thoughts fuel your feelings because then you feel like there's no way out. You then feel like I'm out of control. And that, of course, affects your behavior. And so you go round and round and round. So the only way you can break out of the thoughts, feelings, behaviors triangle, the cognitive behavioral theory triangle, is to break one of these patterns. So you can either address the feelings. How do I actually feel? How could I feel differently? Well, I can stop and take a breath. And then suddenly your body relaxes. Suddenly you don't have that fight or flight response. Suddenly you're thinking more clearly. And then suddenly you're feeling more differently because you're thinking more clearly. And so you've broken the cycle. So if you continue in this cycle, you will always get what you've always had. Once you break that cycle and you can choose any of these. So the behavior could be, I'm going to meditate. And you meditate. The behavior could be, I'm going to reframe this whole situation. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to start to say no to these people so that I can get back on track with this work. And actually, look how I feel differently because I've taken control. So whichever one, it really doesn't matter. And it genuinely doesn't matter which one you break the cycle with. You've just got to break the cycle. So the CBT Cognitive behavioral theory cycle is a really powerful technique for in the moment control, in the moment connectedness of your thoughts, feelings and actions. And again, just a reflection that you're not being a bad person. You're not failing in your job. You're not doing something wrong if you happen to slide into this. Human nature is such that we all, every single one of us at some point to a lesser or greater degree will fall into this cycle. And it just is the way it is. But the trick, of course, is to be applying a tool to get you out of it. And another one in terms of how you're kind of thinking and feeling is to really focus on the thinking. There's a really good book by David Burns called The Feeling Good Handbook. There are lots of apps that you can look at, um, Thought Diary, uh, Mood Notes. And remembering, really, they're just the essence that your thoughts shape your reality. If you want to reframe something because it's not serving you, then reframe it. Just think about it in a slightly different way. And I'm not talking about fundamental denial of the scenario. I'm talking about reframing it, maybe just taking yourself slightly out and away from the scenario and thinking about what does this actually look like? Because as soon as you kind of take that helicopter view, as soon as you start thinking about stuff from a distance, viewing you from the observer perspective, not actually caught up in the scenario, then you're going to feel better about the whole thing. You're going to think more clearly about the whole thing. And then that in itself will allow you to shape a new reality 
around your thoughts. And that opens up a whole host of different and new opportunities. The next pillar I want to talk to you about is physical health. So this is the mind-body connection. You know, I've said that, you know, our sort of mind, body, heart and soul are kind of all interacting in this kind of virtual dinner party of, of communication. Imagine them all sat around a, a dinner table trying to figure out how you're going to play out your day. So your heart's there sort of hopefully getting some attention. Your mind's chattering away. Uh, your body's there hopefully serving you as best it possibly can. And your soul's looking in on this whole conversation thinking oh my goodness here we go again but we're working to a higher purpose so it's all good everything's fine you know being the pragmatic realist at the at the dinner table with the body mind connection as our next pillar is a really interesting one and and this looks at obviously you know the the key things when people talk about healthy living the key things that we would normally start to really think about like nutrition and physical activity you know we know that we should be doing a certain number of steps every day we know that we should be exercising more not necessarily just sat at a desk on a computer we know that we should be eating healthily you know reducing red meat intake or whatever it happens to be maybe drinking less alcohol etc well we know all of those things because we're constantly reinforced you know through advertising and through the media but an interesting one that is really kind of um, I guess the new kid on the block is the real understanding of the benefits of sleep. And I'm going to come on to that one in a minute. Um, and this, for me personally, is one that I'm um, sort of really focused on right now, because I've always been, um, I guess, you know, I'll um, I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of person. So it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things where you think I haven't really got time for sleep. It's a necessary evil. It's one of those things I just have to do. And you know, I eat very very well. I don't drink alcohol. I do loads of physical activity. So you know, the sleep oh, I'll be fine without too much sleep. So I can just power on through. Neil, you got it wrong. Okay, so this is what the world is telling me. Um, So now I'm listening to this one. So we'll go there. We'll talk about this one because it's really important if you're going to strike this healthy balance to focus on sleep. Um, And this isn't something that, you know, as a um, an emphasis is just purely modern, um, because, you know, even the Buddha is meant to have said to keep the body in good health. It's a duty. Otherwise, we shall not be able to keep our minds strong and clear. So this goes back to some of the indigenous teachings from many, many sort of millennia ago, um, even where this is just well known that the body and health work, uh, body and mind rather, working in unison is a great combination. It's a great connection. You mustn't let them dominate over the heart, of course, because you need to be listening to emotions and how it's all feeling. But you also need to be physically and mentally alert and connected to the opportunities, but also the potential risks and downsides. But I want to talk about sleep. Now, if you have a and let's just think of some of the uh, the brands out there right now. So if you've got uh, an Apple Watch, for example, or a Fitbit, now they will give you some really good Um, quality and high and informative insights and data about the importance of your sleep. Um, I've got a um, just recently uh, or relatively recently purchased an Aura Ring, O-U-R-A, which you'll see a lot of um, sort of people 
talking about now. And the reason I got it was because um, my wife thought that I might have sleep apnea. And that's where you kind of stop breathing in your sleep and you kind of force yourself to wake up and it, it kind of jolts you. Potentially, if it gets really bad, it's not a good thing. It can be very, very dangerous uh, and unhelpful to you. Um, it seems like I don't actually have that. But what I do have is um, a lot of activity that goes on whilst I'm sleeping. Now, the really interesting thing here, and this is why I've kind of said those three uh, specific tools and others are available. Uh, a lot of other products will monitor your sleep. But to really um, be using something that will give you a deep understanding of actually what's going on, not necessarily what you perceive is going, going on, because I would wake up. I would say probably 80% of the mornings I wake up and I think I've had a certain type of sleep. So I've had certain types of dreams. I've possibly woken in the evening, um, in the night. I possibly got up and do we in the, um, in the night. Um, some nights I've kind of felt like I've slept all the way through, for example. And I think, you know, I've had about this amount of sleep and this kind of quality. And then I check the data. And you would not believe, I would think probably about 20% of the nights of sleep I have, I'm relatively accurate. 80% of the time, I have no clue what's going on whilst I sleep. And of course, that in itself, by definition, is the beauty of sleep. We shouldn't know what's going on. If we're aware of what's going on, we're not truly sleeping. So the importance of the sleep cycle is really critical. Now, mine will be different to yours. And this is why I'm saying that maybe getting some kind of product or even borrowing from a friend to just try and, and, and test this out. The ability to see through a night's sleep where you think you're um, getting a certain amount of sleep, where you're thinking you're waking at certain times, where you're at rest, maybe having deep sleep or REM sleep. And then the amount of elapsed sleep, but importantly, and this is a really important thing, the midpoint of your sleep and how aligned it is with your chronotype. Now, your chronotype is how um, it's um, circadian rhythms, for example, you know, will specify and you can get these um, calculated for you. So you, you can do some research on this if it's of interest. But basically what it defines is that it is that there you have your body has a natural rhythm. Now, yours is going to be subtly different to mine. Um, and the next person, what you're looking to find here is not only the total amount of elapsed sleep, but when the midpoint of your sleep was and how aligned it is with your chronotype. If you can balance that, the quality of your sleep, no matter how many times you wake up or how deeply you sleep or the amount of elapsed deep sleep time, which could only be minutes literally in a night's sleep, can be fundamentally affected to the quality of the day that you are then going to have. And with something like Aura Ring, I'm not here sponsored by Aura Ring, by the way, I should definitely add here, this is uh, this is just purely from my own experience, gives you an indication of the following day, whether you should be taking it easy, whether you can really go for it with your exercise. It allows you to plot and plan. But also what it does, it allows you to see the impact of the previous day. So if you've had a day where you've been over aroused or you've had a day maybe where you've eaten later in the evening than you normally would, you will see the effect on the data from your sleep cycle for that night. And that will impact on the, the way you perceive healthy living the following day. It's quite fundamental. There's no way we could go through this conversation without really talking about sleep. 
So do some research. If this feels like this is something you might want to consider, this can have a profound impact on where you take the next kind of steps in your healthy living uh, journey. So once you kind of wake up then the next day, well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do for your physical health. Um, again, with apps, um, a lot of us are using kind of apps for fitness. Uh, so my fitness pal, seven minute workout, many more are available. Um, and of course, we can also find apps and uh, techniques and best practice for our nutrition. Um, the reduction of red meat, for example, is now a well-documented, well-researched thing, uh, not only for planet, but also for us personally. Um, and the key, key thing here is also, according to the latest research, around hydration. That doesn't mean fizzy sweet drinks. That doesn't mean lots of coffee and tea. Uh, those aren't necessarily sort of uh, good for you even though here's a self-confessed uh, coffee uh, connoisseur, I was going to say addict there, but connoisseur, should we say. Um, but it is about proper and real hydration. So, so really think about how you are hydrating as you go through the day, because as we know, behaviours, thoughts and feelings are all inter intertwined. So your hydration will affect directly using CBT theory, it will affect how you perform, particularly in the second half of the day. Meals as well, emphasis on quick workouts and stretching during your breaks, thinking about how and when you have your nutrition and thinking of your nutrition as a fuel, thinking of it as a fuel, not just as snacking for snack's sake, not necessarily getting those quick sugar rushes just because well, I need to stay awake for this project work I'm doing, otherwise I'm going to fall asleep. Well, it isn't the project work then that's the problem. It's actually how you're planning your approach to it. So there's clearly a lot of interaction. Remember, I used that word interconnectedness. Well, that is clearly key here. Um, and so look deeply into the whole physical health and the nutritional tips that suit your busy lifestyle. And of course, there are many components of fitness. And so what we're looking at here um, are the, 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 the variety, and there are five um, sort of key components, each one very relevant if you're going to focus on comprehensive, healthy living. Okay, so when we talk about fitness, we are talking cardiovascular endurance. So how long can you keep going, not at optimum rate, but at a steady rate? What is your muscle strength like? And again, for most of us who sit for most of the day at a computer or maybe we're driving, maybe we're commuting, you know, we need to be thinking about muscle strength. So what can you do to improve that as well as muscle endurance? How long can you perform for? That is absolutely key. Flexibility has become a real hot topic with a lot of people thinking, you know, a lot of the time now about building things like yoga and stretching into uh, their daily routine, as well as body composition. It is about accepting who we are and how we are, but it's also about deciding, is this body composition serving me for my plan? Remember our wheel of emotions at the start there and actually trying to strike this balance with the life I'm planning, with the kind of um, way I'm trying to develop my career, my personal life. Is my body composition and my endurance level and my strength and my flexibility going to serve those desires and those dreams? Remember, your body and your mind are working in an interconnected way. So don't overstress yourself by not having the physicality to support what your mind wants to do. They've got to work in unison. That's the really key thing here. And a lot of work by the American College of Sports Medicine to delve deeply into this. So you can go and uh, look at this, uh, this resource 
research source to uh, get some more detail behind this, because it is really, really important that body and mind need to work in unison here. So you can't just necessarily do your fitness regime and forget about your plan. You can't just plan a career um, path and then forget the physical side of it too, because they will work hand in hand. And then you'll look back and you'll think, why didn't that work? I should have been able to get to there. Well, it was because of the interconnectedness that you ignored. So make sure you join those two things together. And the final um, pillar, our pillar four, is well-being. And this is the importance of downtime and leisure. And we all know that this is a really key thing. Well-being, just that physical, mental, emotional, kind of soul-driven detox, if you like, from a lot of digital stuff that we're doing here. Um, a lot of the pressures that are kind of almost feeling like they're being forced upon us, but actually they're not. And once we start to kind of journal, once we start to take time out, once we start to say no to the things that either don't serve us or those around us, we can start to take a bit more accountability and responsibility. So well-being comes from within. It isn't about getting your buddies to go to the gym with you. This is all about something that comes from within. Well-being starts from inside. So it is about taking control over your time. Time is the only asset that is continually ticking away. You know, you can work a little bit harder, work a little bit smarter, make a little bit more money. That's the easy bit. But the only thing that you cannot get back is time. So making sure that the time is being well spent. And of course, a lot of the productivity, um, a lot of the health, a lot of the uh, leisure kind of apps, things like Audible and Forest, which help us to kind of focus on, um, you know, the priorities in our world and improve our productivity to enhance our well-being, all are based around time, the effective and efficient use of time. So where do we kind of begin well-being? Well, it is about accepting that time is finite. It is about setting off hours when we are not going to be, you know, drawn into social media, when we're not going to be, oh, I'll just answer that email or I'll just do that final task. That word just doesn't exist. You're either going to social media or you're not. You're either doing that task or you're not. So planning your head your week, planning ahead your day, time blocking, chunking time into sort of physical entities so that you can manage it and you can prioritize it is really key. This is where well-being starts. A lot of people think well-being begins from an external um, source where you're almost given permission to feel well-being. Um, it isn't. It is all about something that comes from the control and the responsibility and the accountability that you choose to take. And there is what's called a new theory of well-being. Again, you can see this and read up on this in practicalpsychology.com. And it talks about this real interrelationship of well-being coming from, yes, positive emotions, coming from, yes, positive relationships, a feeling of engagement with the activities that you're doing, doing something with actual meaning, and also getting a, a feeling of accomplishment. And accomplishment can be not necessarily achieving something, but actually saying no to something to free up the time that allows you to do something more important, more critical in your world. So there's an interesting way of, again, reframing how well-being could fit into your healthy living profile or your healthy living lifestyle. So there's a, an acronym PERMA, positive emotions, engagement, positive relationships, 
meaning, and then accomplishment. So you can put sort of things underneath uh, each of these five elements to kind of plot out if you were feeling good on a particular day, how would this kind of shape up? What would it do? So the next time you're pressed in work and you're thinking, I've got time to do all those things and look at this inbox. I'm not going to clear this before five o'clock and I need to get out because I've got a load of stuff on this evening. And of course, the arousal level increases. And then you go to something like this as a theory of well-being and think, well, okay, let's just think positively about what I've already achieved. Let's think in engagement terms about who else I might be able to get involved here. Let's build those positive relationships, not only with those people, but actually with the tasks that I've got. So again, I'm starting to reframe it. Let's give different meaning to some of these things. And oh, look, inside that, there was what was already perceived as being, well, that's something really heavy because I don't understand it. I give it new meaning and I turn it into a learning opportunity. And then, of course, by default, when I've achieved it, I've got a feeling of accomplishment. So what we're doing here, again, under this whole holistic banner of healthy living is we're reframing, we're taking time out, we're being very mindful of the concept and putting some of these daily, weekly, monthly challenges into a program that allows us to rethink, refeel and behave differently around the concept of well-being. But just by default of going to do this stuff means you've just suddenly taken control. So that will give you a sense of ownership and a sense of well-being just by the very nature of doing it. Not necessarily even coming up with the final answer, but actually just getting on the bandwagon and doing it. And then you can use things like uh, Covey's time management matrix to decide where the priorities are. Because as you start to uncover these opportunities, you'll realize, hmm, actually, the more I put in here, the more I realize I've actually got on. Oh, no, that in itself is stressing me. Well, it doesn't have to, because the time management matrix allows you then to put into boxes in the matrix. It's a two by two matrix. Urgent, not urgent, important, unimportant. So the things that clearly are urgent and important, you're going to do those. Those are your priorities. The things that are not urgent, but they're important, you're going to do next. And you're going to schedule a time later to complete those. The things that are urgent, but not really that important, you're going to delegate to someone else. Well, you might do them later, but no, let's just delegate those. Get those off of your plate. And the things that are unimportant and not urgent are going to be in the don't do deleted tasks box and you press delete. And so what you've done there very, very simply is you've made it very real where you are going to spend your time, healthy living and good, strong work feelings and sense of well-being comes from clear management of time from within. So it makes it very real. It starts you on the journey with small actionable steps. It allows you to build consistency over intensity, because let's face it, up to a point, it can be quite fun being, let's use the word again, busy at work. But beyond a certain point, it becomes not only an inhibitor, but as we've already seen, it becomes actually potentially quite dangerous. It really isn't serving you. And of course, by personalizing these priorities, and that's why I'm saying this whole healthy living thing, it's different for you. It's different to me. It's different for that person there. We've got to take ownership personally for this, but it allows us to personalize our approach. And as new things come into the mix, 
it allows us then to adapt and to change and to reprioritize. So all the time, we're getting the opportunity to really be building great habits that become just a natural thing that we do. And that really, to be honest, is the essence of healthy living. It's about building good, strong daily habits. And a final one I want to share with you. So this goes beyond the four. I said there were four, but I'm going to give you a fifth. This is a little bonus pillar that you might want to have a little play with yourself. It's something I made up um, a few years ago that I call SIMPLE. It's a great morning habit that goes by the acronym of SIMPLE. I'll tell you what the elements of SIMPLE are, um, but if you want to find out a little bit more, you can just search up uh, my video on YouTube um, called Simple by Neil Wilkins. And it stands for stretch, intention, meditation, protection, life map and energy. Okay, so what do those things mean? And by the way, simple is simple. Just a few minutes every morning to just get yourself started in the right, balanced, connected, sense of well-being kind of way. And this is all about you. So this morning habit, which I would encourage you to do every morning, and it is simple, needs to happen. And it needs to happen before you engage with the world. OK, so you do simple before you switch on your smartphone, before you check your socials, before you open your email inbox, before you phone a friend, whatever it happens to be. This is all about you because healthy living and well-being begins and ends with you. So take ownership of your morning, the start of your day. S for simple stretch, whether it's yoga or literally just doing a body awakening exercise or series of exercises. You can follow a program. You can do something that's just short and comfortable. You need to get your heart moving. You need to get your body stretching. You need to just wake yourself up physically. And you can decide what is appropriate. You can set some goals or you can just go with how it feels on the day. But the very first thing you do is awaken your body, stretch. Second one, I, is for intention. This is about sitting quietly with yourself for a moment and setting a clear intention for the day. If the intention for the day is, I just want to be happy, then that's fine. It's your day. If the intention is, I want to flow with today then that is what you're going to do and really embody the intention. Don't just say it and not believe it. It's got to be something that you kind of get a sense of, mm, actually, that feels and sounds really good. That's my kind of day going forward. If it is about getting very excitable and doing something really crazy and exciting, that's your daily intention for that day. So set your intention. The third one is the M in simple for meditation. Now, you can, if you're an experienced um meditation practitioner, you can do a meditation. For most of us, it will be just sitting quietly and calmly breathing, just listening to your breathing, just taking that moment to settle and to get balance. Absolutely key. The P in simple is for protection. So this is about just deciding what I what do I need to ground myself today? What do I need to be aware of, not frightened of, not scared of, but just aware of for my day? Protect myself, whether that's spirit guides or just something that you can feel. Yeah, I'm just grounded today. You can choose. 
Life map is a reflection on, okay, in this day here today, this is what I'm doing to take the steps into my future. So what will I learn today? If I've got a um, career progression plan, or I've got a whole series of things that I'm going to be um, putting into place as, as you know, personal or career development um, journeys or steps or training and development, that's what you're reflecting on. Which steps am I going to take in my life map today? That's the L. And the final one is E for energy, simple E for energy. And this is what is appropriate? What does my body feel is appropriate for today to give me the energy that I need? So it could be I'm going to do an energy routine and I'm going to have a very healthy juice or smoothie. It could be I'm going to fill this bowl with Orange oats, and I'm going to really, really, you know, carb load today because that's how my body feels. Um, I'm personally not a huge advocate of fasting. Um, my body doesn't respond in that way. Um, so you've got to find something that works for you. If fasting is your thing, then you can build energy in whatever way is appropriate for you at an appropriate time. But it's a mindful consideration of what energy do I need today based on my stretching, based on my intention, based on sitting calmly in my meditative state, breathing gently and just listening to myself and how I am today, protecting myself in an appropriate way, knowing that I'm going to take these steps on my life map journey, and I'm going to consciously accomplish these steps today. And so I will have achieved something But by the time I get to the end of the day, something considered not over planned, but just I'm setting this as my target for today and then fueling myself with an appropriate energy. And it could be not necessarily a physical energy. Um, so something that you're eating, it could be an emotional energy. Today, I need space. I need space to just recover on my own. That could be your energy fix, if you like, for the day. But if you do this every day, it just builds a great morning habit. You can interchange these things. You can change the words. You can create your own style. But a lot of the research that has been done in healthy living always comes back to the morning habit. So you decide what time based on your sleep pattern and your chronotype is going to work for you to start your day but keep in a steady morning habit of the right kind of timing and then introduce these elements in and replace with things that kind of suit you and your world and you will find a significant improvement or change in just the way that you feel think and act as you go through every day coming forward so to round up what have we been talking about here well it is about practicing gratitude you know we are here to breathe and live another day so you know as each and every day we wake up you know we should really be feeling really grateful that we've got a chance to do it all again because not everybody has so healthy living is about practicing gratitude it's also about knowing that you will always get what you give so by putting good energy out and, and love out there that's what you're going to get returned to you it's a universal law don't ask me why it works it just does there is obviously an interconnectedness of all the pillars that we've talked about and embracing the vulnerability that some days you are not going to feel great that's okay and it's okay if you're thinking about self-compassion to seek help on those days or in those moments or those life stages where you feel you need help seek it vulnerability is fine we're human beings we're here designed to be broken but also designed to mend and heal so prioritizing your health and well-being and the you and taking control of the you over all of those external demands that the world throws at us 
and prioritizing and saying no to stuff and knowing that you are doing your best gives you an opportunity going forward to really, really embrace this whole idea of healthy living, both in work and in your everyday life.